Color Me Sane, a new podcast where we explore the world of forensic nursing. We educate and tell about our experiences of working with sexual assault, domestic violence, strangulation, non-accidental trauma, and human trafficking survivors. Color with us as we explore the world of sexual assault nurse examination. Our aim is to use this medium to educate the public and other nurses on the different aspects of this exam, your rights as a survivor, and resources available to you. The information provided in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or legal advice. All information obtained from this podcast is for general information purposes only. Please reach out to your local entities for recommendations specific to you. Hello, Lynn. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm I'm doing okay. How about you? Uh, Pretty good. Not a horrible day. Yeah, same here. So what are we talking about today? So today we are going to go into our episode. Um, we have been, you have been assaulted. Now what? So I am going to start off by talking about what happens if you are wanting to report to law enforcement. Like how does it look if law enforcement is involved so this can take um, multiple different um, roads. So say you are assaulted, you are sexually assaulted, you are beside yourself, you don't know what to do. You have some persons who will go straight to law enforcement, which is perfectly fine. So they go straight to law enforcement. Um, if they have, if they're bleeding or there's injury, a lot of times law enforcement will have you come straight to us. Um, and um, sometimes, a lot of times they'll even come with you. Um, sometimes while you're at the hospital, they're taking their statement. And um, for me personally, I usually just wait until, well, if there is no need for urgent medical care, I'll wait until elite law enforcement is done with you. And then I will go in and start doing what I need to do. Um, if there is need for urgent medical care, that always precedes any forensic examination. So um, we have to ensure that you are medically clear, cleared. So that may mean you may need labs, you may need imaging, um, whatever it needs, whatever there needs to be to ensure that medically you are safe, you are secure. We ensure that that is done first. Um, after we have dealt with, after you have report, say you've reported to law enforcement, law enforcement is there with you. Um, what happens sometimes is law enforcement will give us a case number that we can attach to your chart, and that case number goes with you so you'll also have a number that case number and you can always call your investigator or call the police department that you that that assisted you to get, like get updates with what's going on um if if say you come to the hospital first or you go to a a clinic first that helps with helps patients with sexual assault that's also fine what will happen is we can help you by calling law enforcement and sometimes law enforcement will respond depending on how far you are, how far we are from the law enforcement, from the, the, the county or um, the county that's that, that it happened in. Um, if the law enforcement can respond, they'll come and they'll talk to you. Um, if not, we can proceed with the examination with your consent and you can report it at a later time. Um we once you're working with law enforcement, everything kind of goes through the same step, um, consenting wise. So whether you choose to work with law enforcement or, or not 
work with law enforcement, consenting is almost, um, we still have to go through the same consent paperwork. Um, it's just what you choose on the consent paperwork. So law enforcement, you like give us permission to send it to law enforcement, no law enforcement. Um, you choose that you do not want it to be sent to law enforcement. And in a few minutes, I can talk a little bit about um, if if you don't choose to to report to law enforcement after we've done all that you know i ensure that i answer all your questions as usual um you choose what you want to do um during the examination as per usual and i just want to to put it out there that if you and melissa is going to probably talk more about this later on but if you choose not to report to law enforcement and you still come I can still get your, we can still do your exam. You can get your swabs done. You can um, get the medical treatment you need. You can get swabs. You can get medications. We, we can um, get you connected to advocacy resources. We can get all of that situated for you. Um, and if at a later date you are like, you know what? I want this case. I want, I want justice. I want I want to report to law enforcement. You can absolutely go to law enforcement, report the case. And um, all we need from you at that point is just your permission um, to send this your chart to law enforcement and for your kid to go to the crime lab for testing if it's still with us. And we'll get further into that later on in the episode. Um, So we, whether you choose law enforcement or knowing law enforcement we absolutely would love to help you and we work with you either way to ensure that you get the care you need now that's for an adult for the pediatric population law enforcement is going to always be involved because um they are a protected group uh, so that's usually pediatric population and um like disabled persons so persons who aren't able to care for themselves if there is any thought or we think there is a reason that a sexual assault has occurred, we have to get law enforcement involved or we have to get like CPS or APS involved by law. We can't go around it. With that, for children, a lot of times parents will take them straight to the hospital. And once they're in the hospital, we'll call, just like adults, we'll call law enforcement. We'll start the exam. Law enforcement will come out, take whatever statements they need or um, have them come to the, the 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 law enforcement agency at a later time. More, a lot of times it's the same day or, or the, the next day. If, um, if say, law enforcement, the, um, the, the parent or the guardian takes a child straight to law enforcement, um, agency before coming to the ER or to a clinic, it's also fine. Parent or guardian will take the child to the same nurse and we'll still do the examination. So either way is fine. Either if you want to go to the hospital or a clinic or go to the law enforcement agency to report, we'll still, we'll still once you want that exam done, um, we can still have that exam done. So either way is fine. So I have a question for you. Oh, Sure. I know we're going to get into like days of reporting later, but when when someone reports for a sexual assault, mm-hmm. is there anything they should or should not do before they arrive to the hospital? Wonderful question. Yes. Yeah, so it, it, it is wonderful if after you have been assaulted, if you don't shower, 
you come to the hospital and because we that's that way we know where we can get the DNA we needed from your body. However, you have up to five days or 120 hours within the state of Texas to for us to be able to collect swabs off your body. So that's a DNA swabs. After that time, we do what is called a non-acute sexual assault examination. So where we'll t- we'll get your history of what happened and we'll we'll ensure that you're medically okay. Meaning if you need like prophylactic medication to treat like gonorrhea, chlamydia, and trichomonas, we can help with that. However, we won't be able, as I said, we won't be able to swab for evidence. And this history, it is it is really important as well because it will help your case. And if you're wanting wanting to report to law enforcement, that information is also sent to law enforcement um, for their investigative purposes. Does that answer your question? Yeah. And then also like people need to remember that if they do change their clothes, because we understand you may want to change your clothes, you can bring us your clothes. And so we can put it with your evidence. If you have like a paper bag to put it in, great. If not, just bring whatever you have and we will put it with your evidence. And then to touch base on that non-reporting again, like we said last episode, some states don't do non-report, uh, not non-reports, I'm sorry. Um, some states don't do non-acute exams. Some states will, some states don't. It was really state dependent, but the emergency room either way can still get you the prophylaxis and make sure that you're physically okay as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, just and just just to touch a little bit on um, the medical care part because that part is extremely important. Remember, we have five days to come in to swab. However, when it comes to prophylactic treatment, we have to remember we we have to remember that there are time limits on certain things. So, if you're gonna be needing prophylactic medications for to prevent HIV, we that cuts off at day three. So you have to go to a clinic or um, go to a hospital that can get you that care so we can get you set up to start those medication. After that three days, uh, we won't be able to help. You won't be able to get it. That That's an expiration time frame for prophylactic medications for HIV. But you can still get prophylactic medications to treat gonorrhea, chlamydia, and trichomonas. Yeah, that is a very good point. I'm just going to talk a little bit about non-reporting because as an adult, you also have, it's a federal law that you can do a non-report where sometimes you might hear it as a restricted report. So that all that means is that you can go into an ER or a facility that does um, rape kits and you can have a kit done. You can be completely looked over, get DNA evidence, secured, but you don't have to report it to law enforcement. You can sit on that. So they won't run the DNA at all. They have to have your permission to do that. But the kits, the kits are held off of statute of limitations based off of the crime. And it's based off in the state as well. So in America, um, it's anywhere from two years to 50 years. So Pennsylvania, after two years, depending on what the crime is, they're probably going to get rid of that kit. But like Oklahoma keeps it for 50 years. California keeps it for 20. But if you were under 18 and um, you were if you were under 18 when it happened, they're going to keep that kit for 40. That's a little different because you weren't going to be a non-report if you were under 18. But they will keep that kit until you're 40 years old. So every state's a little different. But you can hold on to that for 
at least two years. 10 years seems to be the most common um, in most of the states. It seems to be that they'll keep those kits for about 10 years. So at least your all your DNA is just being held there. And then when you are in a better position and you feel like you are wanting to report, you can then go to law enforcement, you can report and you have all your DNA evidence everything that we talked about, about what the crime, about when it happened, what happened, all those things, it's all preserved for you. So that just makes it nice because it means that survivors can go in, they can get the care that they need right away, they can get everything off their chest right away, and then they can sit on it because there are many reasons why people don't want to report right away, and that's 100% okay. You do not have to report right away. Absolutely. You mentioned earlier about going into the ER Mm-hmm. Um, can you kind of give a little bit of idea of like what would happen if you come into the ER? Okay, so as my ex- my experience as a forensic nurse, say you 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 came here came to the ER in your privately owned vehicle, um, so you'll go through the triage. So you go through the triage desk. The nurse nurse triage you triages you there, and after that, um, the based on Texas um, state laws, you have to be in a secured area um, or an area where you can speak, like speak confidentially to your private your provider. So, for example, where I work, what we try to do is put you in. We'll have you like if we if there's a wait, sometimes we don't like it. But there's if there's a wait after you checked in, sometimes you have to wait in the waiting area. But as soon as you're like as soon if your same nurse is seeing another case, as soon as that case is done, we'll pull you back to our room as quickly as we can. Or a lot of times our our ER nurses or charge nurses are very good at getting you in a private area because that is what is that is what is ideal to have you in a private area. Once you're in that private area, um, before we see you, we ensure that you're medically screened. So some facilities have doctors in in the triage area and they can medically screen you in that triage area. So while you're talking to the nurse, the doctor is there. The doctor might ask you a couple of questions as well and ensure that medically you are okay to see the forensic nurse next. Not all facilities have that. And sometimes you're just not enough doctors and staff to do that. Um, so whenever you get to that room, the doctors will come and they will talk to you a little bit, order some tests if needed, because sometimes it's not just sexual assault. Sometimes it's sexual and physical assault um, and they need to order like CTs or x-rays, stuff like that to ensure that nothing is broken. Nothing needs to be done urgently before your sexual assault nurse examiner steps in. So it usually looks something like that. Uh, we try... Our nurses are usually pretty good. Where, where, well, nurses that I've dealt with, um, they're usually pretty good in not wanting you to like eat or not wanting you to pee. Or if you have to pee, they collect your urine and they collect a dirty catch. Um, they tell you like not to wipe because they want to ensure that you don't you don't wipe away important DNA evidence that you're wanting us to collect. Um, and after we're after your screen and we're able to see you. Um, we start the whole exam process with you. Um, yeah, and so with that urine, are they collecting it for DNA or are they collecting it for possibly drugs testing? So not DNA. It will be possible to check if there was a uh, 
drug, like a drug facilitates sexual assault. So our nurses usually, like the ER nurses, depending on where you work, some ER nurses, they have to do the exams. Uh, but ER nurses that I've dealt with, they don't usually go in depth because the facility has a sane, uh, foreign de department, so a sane program. So they don't go in depth in like exactly what happened to you because nobody wants to talk about that multiple times. So the moment you're like, I was assaulted, they'll, a lot of times they'll stop stop that conversation there um, because they know it will be well documented by the same nurse. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And that's a good point that like a lot of ER nurses are not wanting to really talk about it. So in many states, a second exam can only be done in an ER, but they would be bringing in sexual assault nurses um, from the outside area. So there are some states that the sexual assault is um, all the ex examiners are ran by the state. And so they would just have people on call. So if you walk into an ER, you might have to talk to that ER nurse. You might have to be there for a little bit, but they're going to send someone out. Or they might be doing something like some states and some hospitals will do like telehealth exams because that helps out a lot with the rural areas so we can get things done. And then that's when your ER nurse will assist with it. But there are some states that you don't actually have to have the exam done in an ER and you can be transferred to an outside facility or like a rape crisis center. It really is state dependent. So sometimes you might go into an ER and they might be like, oh, we don't we don't do those exams here. So they might transfer you to another ER that has, say, nurses on duty all staffed or to an outside facility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like in Texas, every ER nurse has to have at least two hours of training. And I know you've mentioned that you have worked in the ER before. Do you remember anything about those two hours of training? And how was it different? <laughs> so, so those two hours of training, it was a lot of information all at once. And honestly, I remember coming out of that two hours of training and thinking, Lord, please don't let me ever have to do this exam because I'm going to I'm going to mess it up because it's it's a, it was a lot. And as an ER nurse, you're not expected to go like as in depth as a trained sane nurse would go. But it was really a lot to take in. And I just did not feel comfortable with doing any of that. And at the end of the, the two hour training, I didn't I think it was just information overload. I, I didn't remember. I didn't remember much. So, no, that was not. It was helpful, but not helpful. It was help, helpful to open my eyes. Hey, just in case you need to do this, this is what you need to do. And this is where this is. But then personally, I felt like I would be a disservice to my patient. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do understand that. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I've taught some of the two hour classes before and it is we give a lot of information out in a very short amount of time mm -hmm. but it that's kind of one of the things like if you do go to the er and you're just like i'm tired i don't want to have to go somewhere else in some states like texas the er nurse could do the bare minimum of collect your evidence get a basic idea of what happened to your body and then you at least have all that there but it, like you said the, that ER nurse may not be very comfortable with doing it at all. They may have never have done it. I know doctors have to have a, have to have some training as well and see a couple of cases um, before they graduate in some areas. 
but that doesn't mean they're gonna be comfortable with it either. So it's always best, like if you, if they are asking you to be transferred to another facility, just ask them why you need to be transferred and it might be better for you in the long run to make sure nothing is being missed, everything is being done correctly. So that way you're getting the best care possible. And that's all with adults. Children, in many states, children can only be done at specialized sites. So there might be um, a specialized children's hospital. Normally we call them safe ready hospitals and children can only be seen at those hospitals. So you might go to a random ER with a 15 year old and they're gonna be like, you have to go to another facility. We, we can't even touch the children. And that's just because children are more delicate and we wanna make sure we're not missing anything on them. And that is, you know, we have to make sure they're safe. And so that we wanna make sure people are handling those cases who we know exactly what they're doing so nothing gets missed at all. Absolutely. And something I would like to add um, that um, that many patients don't even realize is that you may be billed, like if they had to call an ambulance to transfer you to a different hospital, you might be stuck with that cost. Now, there is like crime victim compensation that you can apply for reimbursement for costs associated with your the care you received around your sexual assault, but that it's a reimbursement. So you have to like pay up front. So that's just something that you have to keep in mind. If you can, like, if you are able to transport yourself or a lot of times law enforcement will help with the transfer, that's wonderful. But just keep in mind that there might be an added cost. And just to touch base on that, um, mm -hmm. federally, nobody can charge you for the sexual assault exam. But like you said, there might be a charge for that ER visit for the doctor seeing you. But if a hospital says they can do the exam, but you want to be transferred somewhere else and you go by ambulance, you could be charged for that. But if a hospital cannot provide you the care needed and you have to be transferred somewhere else, um, but if you go by ambulance, you shouldn't be charged for that either because you're not supposed to be charged if they cannot provide you the care needed. But technically, like in some states, technically any ER nurse could do it. So even if they're wanting to transfer you, some sometimes it's looked at as we're not going to pay for that because technically we could have done we could have done that with someone who has two hours of training and doesn't know what they're doing. You're right. So just just a heads up. Um, I know you mentioned earlier about a reporting timeline. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. So with it, so this is going to be within the state of Texas because that's what I'm used to. So, so reporting timeline. So reporting your eggs. Let me be clear. Reporting, you mean like having us the acute versus non-acute? Yeah. So if we're going to, if someone's coming in and they've been, they've been sexually assaulted, how long do they have that we can still collect DNA evidence? Okay, sure. So for if if the assault was, you are assaulted, so you have 120 hours or five days to have your evidence collected. So evidence meaning like hair clippings if needed, DNA swabs of your body, clothing, underwear, stuff like that. You have five days that we can do your collections um, for DNA. Anything outside of that, it's a non-acute exam. So whether you you said you haven't showered in five days. Have you ever had that though, Melissa? Somebody just haven't showered in a prolonged time? Um, I believe I've had it just like once or twice where they haven't showered in five days. 
and they're coming in at the very last couple hours, um, most of the time people are showering really fast. Okay. Which is okay. It is okay. Yes, because a lot of times you just want to feel clean. Um, so back to what I was saying. So five days or 120 hours to have your body swabbed for DNA. After that, we so after that in in Texas, we don't swab. I know for the for VA purposes. So for like army purposes, they go up to seven days, right? Yeah. the the last The last time I looked it up, and I was trying to look it up earlier, I it was seven days. So if anyone knows if that's changed, let us know. Um, seven days seems to be the maximum that any state will go because we don't have a lot of testing outside of the seven days on how long some of that DNA will last. There are some states that are still on three days. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, most states in America is at five days or 120 hours. And sometimes we will count down the hours to ensure <laughs> we'll count down the hours to ensure that we can help you. So I know I've done that. Yeah. So sometimes if we're like, we need to know what hour it was, it makes a big difference. If you're coming in at 12 p.m. and this happened at 5 p.m., that gives us five hours. But if it happened at 12 p.m. and you're coming in at 5 p.m., yep. you're outside of that window. And that's when we have to like make a decision. You're just outside of the window. Should we do something about it? And that's really dependent on facilities because technically you're only supposed to go up to the 120 hours. Right. And, you know, I've had, I remember one night um, I got a call from, it was a charge nurse and she, like, she, she had, she, she's like, Hey, this person came in, but they only have like three more, three more hours. Can you come in? I'm like, I'm on my way. <laughs> like it is. Uh, I'm like, get her, get her medically screened. I am on my way. Cause we have that short time. And if I can save something, I'm gonna help you save something, you know? So we try, we really try to help you, you guys as much as possible. Um, I know I mentioned briefly about the non-reporting or restricted reports earlier. Um, I just want to make sure I clarify that's for adults. So children under the age of 18, like you mentioned earlier, they're always going to be a report. We cannot not report that. But we also have to remember that um, elderly, so anyone over 60, technically that's going to be considered elder abuse. So we have to report that. And then if you're disabled, we also are going to have to report that if you're not cognitive enough to make your own decisions. So that's always going to be reported. Yeah, so I just wanted to clarify that. Okay, how about if this happened in prison? Great question. So when, you, when it happens in prison, you unfortunately get sent into the you have to report. So if you report it to someone at the prison, they have to report it to the higher ups. And then if they do have to offer you a free medical, forensic medical exam. So you may be transferred somewhere to get that medical exam done. However, when you come in and you're getting that DNA evidence and stuff done, you have no choice but to report it. And that is because when you're in prison, you are considered a specially protected class because you have people there who may be forcing you to do things against your will. And you you may not have anywhere else to go if they are in the same pod as you. Where are you going to hide? Where are you going to go? How can you get away from them? Or if it's um, a, 
secu- if it's a guard there, you feel like you have to go with what they're saying. So you are in a position to where you don't get to make all the decisions you would normally make on the outside world. And you're put in positions where people have more control over you. So if you come in and you're from a prison and you say you need a forensic exam, we unfortunately, we have to report that. Mm-hmm. And those get investigated um, through their internal systems. Even I've had cases where the the prisoner told me I wanted to, like I wanted to have sex with the guard. It was consensual. We still have to do it. Because as she said, um, you're a protected class. Prisoners are a protected class. So once you come to us, we have to do it. And everything goes back to whichever agency is investigating the case, usually the prison system. Yeah. And that kind of goes like you are those guards are not legally allowed to have sex with you. Mm -hmm. So even if that's something you're wanting to do, it is still considered assault because, like you said, it's in a you could be in a position of you think you want it, but maybe you were groomed to that point or maybe it was just like you were brainwashed to that point where you felt like you wanted it. Sometimes you just may want to do it. But unfortunately, that is not something that they are legally allowed to do with you. So let's talk a little bit about evidence collection for report versus non-report. So we kind of talked about, we, we spoke about um reporting so the time frame we have to report and like we swab your body for dna evidence within that time frame but what happens with that kit that we collect do we keep it at our facility is it ran at our facility or is it somewhere does it go somewhere else to be ran you want to talk a little bit about you want me to start or um i'll go ahead and talk a little bit about it so in Every state, it's different. So say you're reporting to law enforcement. In every state, it's different on how long law enforcement has to pick up those items. Um, if they are, if you're not reporting, the one thing you have to remember is if you're not reporting and you bring in like a lot of clothes or something, many states, you only get one box. The one box that that, re- that kit comes in. And, and you know what? We can stuff a lot of things in that box. Mm-hmm. But... If you have bulky clothes, you're really not going to get it in there. So then we might we might say, like, we might be able to keep your clothes in a separate bag. Um, we'll try to keep underwear or stuff like that in the kit. But then after, like, we can only hold it for 30 days in our office. Um, and so after 30 days, we might call you and be like, do you want your clothes back? Because we can't send your clothes to the holding facility. But some states and some facilities, they don't have a holding place for any kits or anything like that. They're immediately handing it off to law enforcement. Um, did you have anything that you want to talk about that? Um, for for non-reports, it's, it's pretty much it. And just to add that um, we... For non-reports, as Melissa said, we hold a kit for 30 days. After after 30 days, it's sent to uh, the holding warehouse. That holding warehouse holds it for a certain amount of time, and it differs depending on the state that you live in. Um, however, when we're sending those kits to that warehouse, the outside kit, your name is not on it. It has a special ID number. A lot of times the facility might you have like a special way to create a special number for that box or it's like the MRN for the hospital 
like medical record number that can be used as that special code for the box. So the outside box is basically de-identified with your like no name, no age, no birthday that can be like linked that that can be easily linked to you. Um, if it's sent off to the warehouse and say three months in, you decide to report, you go, you report to law enforcement um, you let them know that you already did a same kit and where you did the same kit. And a lot of times law enforcement will reach out to us and your kit can start, that law enforcement will ensure that your kit starts processing at that time. So there is still, once the kit hasn't been destroyed, they can still run the kit and you can still um, do all your reporting and they can still do all that they need to do to see if anything was picked up from the DNA swabs that, that were done. Do you know if there's any way for law enforcement or for anyone to kind of know where the kits are? Yes, through the Texas Track It system. So I know Texas have a Track It system. And what the Track It system is, it's an online system that's um, we... It's an online system that's run by the, the state of Texas. And what it does, it it enables like victims, so you guys, to log in and look to see where in the system, like where your kit is. So whenever you come for a sexual assault examination, we give you a card and that card has the kit number. It has a username and a password. The first time you log in, it will ask you to give you like give yourself a unique like change password basically and you go in so you'll see when like law enforcement picks it up you'll see where it is and you'll see like when it gets at the you'll see when it that it's at the facility you'll see that law enforcement has picked it up you'll see that it, it's at the bio warehouse you'll you'll see the steps you'll see when if it goes to the the lab you'll see the steps but you won't get results if you need to know if it's done processing and you want, you're curious about them, if they found anything, you're going to have to reach out to your investigators. I have never gotten a result from a, from a lab. Um, to my knowledge, we don't get results from labs. If we, if we are aware of any results that pop up, like if, like if something, like if uh, somebody's DNA came up, it's usually the investigator, like, by the way, um, kind of tells us that um, this, this is what happened like at a later date or we'll know information if it goes to trial and we have to go to trial on your behalf. Do you, have you ever had any other instances with that? Um, no, so like I know results always just go to the investigators or the detective because they are the ones that are actually, it's their kit. Mm -hmm. um, as a sexual assault nurse, we are helping them get that evidence, but it is 100% theirs. Um, it just, it makes it easier. You don't want a law enforcement officer doing a sane exam on you. Also, it also gives you the opportunity to not report to law enforcement because the moment you report to law enforcement, you're reporting. You don't, you kind of don't get to go backwards. You can put a hold on it, but you don't get to go backwards. Right. So it gives you that opportunity to also not have to report to law enforcement right away. Um, and so, yeah, with the track kit system, I used to call it track it, but it's track kit. Um, there's multiple states using that particular system, but it is a federal law. It was made a couple years ago that every state has to have an electronic way to um, track where everything is because 
I mean, multiple years ago, there were many states that just had kits that were lost and destroyed and found growing mold and everything. Yep. Molded and... Mm -hmm. So they've made this. So now everybody knows where things are. And then like with that track kit system that they use in Texas and quite a few other states, it's kind of nice because then if you are the victim and you've reported to law enforcement and you're like, where's my kid at? Oh, it's still sitting at the law enforcement agency. You can call the detective and be like, what are you doing? Why has it not been sent out yet? You know, you know, like I, I had a patient that called and they're like, and surprisingly they called and they got me and I was the one who did the exam and they're like, Hey, I was checking the track kit and it's still at your facility. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not, you know, let me check. And she's like, Oh, you don't have to check. I already check track it and it's still there. And I'm like, yes, it's still here. And we're, we're just waiting for law enforcement to come pick it up. She's like, okay, I'll just give them a call. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> You know, it's like kind of put something in your hand, which is good for y'all too. Yeah. It also makes it so that the agency, like, so the Texas OIG and the whoever is in charge of all the same kits and the sexual assault um, nurse exam, exams in that state, they can track where everything is. So if they have a law enforcement agency who's not sending these off to get tested, they can they can be looked into and they can investigate that a little bit more because these are serious crimes. They do need to be looked into. Yeah. And just to add with the whole track it, track it, track it system. If you lose your password, you can call the facility that did your state exam and we can help get it re reset. A lot of persons don't know that. You can you can call the facility that it was done at. You can call the law enforcement agency or you can actually call the track kits people themselves and get a reset from them as well. So, Lynn, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with this episode today? I think we've covered what we wanted to talk about, but I will tell you guys, if you have any questions, you want further clarifications or you have something pertaining to being assaulted and what next please reach out to us in or reach out to us through any of our social media sites and we will happily get answer your questions get in contact with you as um however we can to ensure that your questions are answered i want to also want to add that if you have been assaulted or you know somebody who have been assaulted you can you can go to rain.org um that's a that's a website and they are they are they're a sexual assault website and they can help you through an online chat or you can call their national hotline at 1-800-656-4673. Um, somebody will be available to answer your questions and help lead you in the direction that you need to be led in. Also, if you have also if, depending on where you are and most areas have this, you can go, literally just Google local advocacy centers for sexual assault and a local advocacy group should be able to help you get you the care you need. Yeah. And we will be talking more about like um, advocacy centers and some of those other things, um, more detail in future episodes. Mm -hmm. um, overall, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for joining. Thank you for joining us today. You can reach out to us on Instagram and TikTok at Color Me Sane Pod, Patreon, and YouTube. You can email any feedback or questions at hello at colormesanepod.com. If you or anyone you know has been sexually assaulted, you can call the national hotline at 1-800-656-4673 
or go to the rain.org website. That's R-A-I-N-N.org. And they have an online chat and resources available to you. 